Hey, this that Eastside Johnny Big Redemption like. Know what I'm talking about? What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Victory Monday, the November the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins win. Or maybe they lose in the long term. But for today, they are victorious over Adam Gase and the New York Jets. This show is going to be a departure from the normal Sunday night recap podcast as I tell you about the stories from the locker room, the game day experience from the press box, Miami's performance, and the grand plan coming into focus, and all my stories from the weekend in South Florida. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts podcast from go ahead and subscribe rate and review the show give me a follow on twitter it's at wingfield nfl the number one follow on dolphins twitter as voted by dolphins twitter and you can find the show at locked on fins we'll follow you back and of course check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the daily written content on your miami dolphins that's another miami dolphins and we start today's podcast off with the general feel and vibe of the Dolphins in the locker room post game and I know we talk a lot about tanking on this podcast and I'm the biggest proponent of the idea of getting to a Tonga Vailoa because I do believe the fastest way to turn around an organization is through the quarterback but then I got to thinking a little bit today and I'm not going to come off that stance but establishing a well-built culture and a team that can sustain success comes through a good coaching staff and developing talent and curating talent and getting a roster that's good from one all the way to 53. And there's a part of me that believes that's what Brian Flores is doing right now. And we are certainly going to talk about that a little bit more here in this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. But I wanted to kind of talk about the human element of this entire thing, of this whole operation, of this league, of this entertainment business that we all basically just live and die for. And I know a lot of folks out there get to Twitter and they can have that anonymity behind the screen and they can say whatever they want. But when you get in the locker room and you get around these guys and you get around all the employees for the Miami Dolphins and you see how much this stuff affects everybody every single day, you begin to develop at least a little bit of sympathy for those folks and the desire for those folks to have success and to have a fun day at the office and get a chance to see them smile a little bit. That was a lot of fun on Sunday, especially in the locker room with all the guys going crazy, just loving Brian Flores, dumping water on him every chance they got. The players were so happy. They were all talking about going out to Funky Buddha and then to the Miami Heat game afterward. So there is a real sense of camaraderie in that locker room and they guys really, really genuinely get along. Ryan Fitzpatrick going across the offensive lineman and the receivers and giving every single man a hug. There was even one part where he got behind Michael Dieter and started giving him a back massage on the shoulders. There's just a real sense of teamwork and friendship on this team. And I know that's so trivial and really minimal when it comes down to actually winning and losing football games, but I think that's where it starts. And of course, what is better than beating the New York Jets and especially Adam Gaze and seeing him walk off that field and just utter, utter disdain for what his team just did. As far as the stats in this game, the Dolphins did get outgained by the Jets, but that stat is not accurate of how the game was played out. The Jets had some yards late in the game. Of course, they had that first drive that went very well. So they did outgain Miami 321 to 316. The Dolphins outpassed the Jets 266 to 238. And the penalties, and I keep coming back to these penalties, the Jets had 10 for 
105. The Dolphins had six for 51. And that is now five consecutive games. Miami has come in under 55 total yards in penalty yardage. And that's why they're bottom in the league in terms of penalty yardage assessed against them and penalties called against them. They were six for 12 on third and fourth down. So half the time they converted. Allowed seven for 16 against the Jets. That's not great. Like to see that number come down a little bit. They had three sacks on Josh Rosen. They still allowed four sacks on Ryan Fitzpatrick and they outpossessed the Jets in the game. And I'm going to kind of follow along with the Locked On Dolphins postgame article right now. I'll be perfectly honest with you guys in the sake of full transparency. I don't have the best setup here in the hotel, so it's very difficult to record this podcast. So we're going to go along off that script right there. But just looking at the team as far as the offensive skill position and what they've lost in Kenyon Drake and maybe Kenny Stills as well. But you go back to this Dolphins skill player position for I don't know how many years. I think Chris Chambers and OJ McDuffie were both very good players, probably plus starters at the position. But pretty much since Clayton and Duper, that's it. That's all they've really had. And now you get Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, this pair of long, athletic, sneaky, fast leapers that play the game above the rim. And Parker, you guys know I was super hard on him pretty much every single year that he was here, but that was because I was told, and I think accurately so, that maybe he wasn't the most professional in the way he went about his craft in the offseason, in season, leading to plenty of injuries that kept him off the field and kept him out of the production business. And now that he's healthy and recommitted, his production has gone back up. He suddenly has become the pillar of consistency. Go back to his last five games. Four, three, five, six, and four. Those are his catch totals. 70, 28, 55, 59, 57. That's his yardage totals. And then he scored four touchdowns over those five games. You prorate that over 16 games. That's 70 catches, 860 yards, and 13 touchdowns. A very good stat line for a number two receiver, which he is right now behind Preston Williams. Although Williams did get hurt in the game twice, came down on his wrist on a diving catch attempt. It was a sprain, I suppose, but he came back into the game. And then later he returned a punt, which by the way, can we get him the hell off punt return team already? He returns a punt, gets rolled up on, leaves the game in a cart, looked really bad, but apparently there was no structural damage, just a sprain of that knee. So he left the game. I'm sure he won't play next week, but he had five catches, 72 yards, and he scored a pair of touchdowns wide open, was just beating guys all day on the outside, inside, whoever they put out there got beat by Preston Williams in this game. And the third guy who was really, really sharp in this one, tight end Mike Gesicki, caught all six of his targets, put up 95 yards, a career high. And we had a chance to talk to Gesicki after the game. And I asked the six foot six tall Adonis how much confidence it gives him to know that the Jets were rotating players in and out of the game to try to stop him because there was James Burgess, the linebacker drew him a couple of times, no dice there. And then they put slot cornerback Brian Poole, who really is the Jets best cover corner guy on Gesicki and he eats him up too. So Gesicki says the confidence level grows each and every week and he he did say each and every, by the way, the staple of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and that just continues to bode well for his growth into the future and this team that wants to be multiple with 12 and 11 personnel packages and being flexible in and out of those packages. I've got plenty more for you guys here on the other side, but first... Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but saying the Pledge of Allegiance in your head or counting backwards from 10 does not always work. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer lasting sex. Now, if you're married, maybe you don't want to last longer because let's be honest, at this point, who cares? But maybe you're trying to impress that new girl. And if you are, you gotta check out these Roman Swipes. They are clinically proven to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast acting, and don't require a prescription. 
Roman can ship swipes to you in a discreet, unmarked package, and each swipe packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it, so you don't got to get made fun of by your friends. Swipes are great. They will not transfer to your partner, so you last longer without any worry. They're super easy to use. Just take swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. And now you can get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL for $10 off and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. One of my favorite parts about the game today was after that Jets opening drive, seeing tweets saying that Brian Flores was being outcoached by Adam Gase. And for Dolphins fans to consider how pitiful that was for Brian Flores and his staff, well, joke's on you because after that first drive, the Dolphins just completely outplayed this Jets team and stomped out Adam Gase's offense pretty much at every turn. I mean, there were instances from the press box where we could basically look at the formation and call out Adam Gase's offense. It happened several times. Nothing has changed with this guy. And we'll talk more about that here in just one second in the press conference portion. But the Dolphins defense gets three sacks, nine quarterback hits. They allow 18 points, but really... Like 12 of those came off of the safety, the big kick return, some mistakes by the Dolphins late in the game or that garbage time late in the game. Sam Darnold throws that terrible pick down in the end zone, which was Jamal Wiltz's first career pick. But now Sam Darnold, again, a passer rating under 90 at 85.4. He is an absolute mess back there at quarterback right now. And that bodes well for the Dolphins long-term. But back to this game, the three sacks come in from Devon Godshaw. Nick Needham gets his first career sack. And so does Christian Wilkins. And my goodness, did Christian Wilkins play the game of his life on Sunday. This guy is a ball of energy. After Preston Williams' first touchdown, he runs down to the end zone, meets him there. and celebrates with the offense. That was pretty cool to see. And then back to the Needham sack after he got the quarterback to the ground, Wilkins tried to leap over him like high hurdle and he didn't make it over him and he ended up knocking them both out, but the celebration was still there. And then after Matt Hawk had a punt inside the 10-yard line, of course, there's Christian Wilkins running out there again and giving Hawk a chest bump. So fun to see the energy, fun to watch these guys having a fun time for the first time and who knows how long. Other defensive performances, Raekwon McMillan, I thought had a fantastic game, really spooked Darnold in that end zone interception that he threw coming free on a pass rush. He had several tackles in the game as well. We talked about Wiltz and his interception. He had six tackles and three assists in the game, and so did Nick Needham. So Miami's cornerbacks doing exactly as Brian Flores wants them to do, playing the ball in the air, tackling in space. That's a good fit for them long term. Now, let's talk about the press conferences here because I'll come back on Wednesday's podcast and get to the All-22. Tomorrow, we'll have the Aftermath podcast for you guys as well, but I didn't really get a great chance to get a look at the film because you don't get to watch the replays from the press box. So I want to focus more on the personal side and we'll talk about the Dolphins long-term vision, all that stuff here in just one second. But talking about Adam Gaze's press conference and you really don't know what to expect when you walk into one of those things. I assumed it would be similar to his time in Miami, but it was a verbatim carbon copy of the transcripts from his Miami days. Deflects blame at every single term. Every time the media would ask him a question about what went wrong, he basically excused it as the result of negative plays, being in second down and long. He mentioned going from second and 10 to second and 23, or wait for it, the penalties. And it's just like, 
who do you think is responsible for those things on your football team? It's all a reflection of you. These details matter so significantly. And that's why I tweeted out pregame about the pregame warmups as the Dolphins come out just completely organized all together. They break off into their individual groups. They come together as a team and they have one guy leading the charge. And then they go back to their individual positions, run routes, offensive line works on blocking drills. And then they come back together for the team portion of practice in the pregame. All very structured, all very detailed down to the exact moment and time and you look at the jet sideline just utter chaos guys coming out as they please doing whatever they want just no organization it coincides with the argument back from last season at the vikings game when you did the exact same thing for the dolphins and they got stomped out in that game attention to detail matters and this miami dolphins team under brian flores is committed to the details that make the biggest difference in this league because once the dolphins rebuild this thing and get talent on the team there is a very minimal gap in talent in this league. Of course, you're going to have a big discrepancy when it comes to the Patriots and the Dolphins currently, but for most of the teams in this league, the talent gap is pretty thin, and that's when those attention to details matter so much. Why do you think the Patriots can win so many games every single year, despite the fact that they lose superstars every single year, it seems like? About the small details, doing the fine things, that's how you win football games. That is how you'd be a consistent winner in this league. And then in the locker room, also after the game, Brian Flores addressed the team, got the game ball from Steven Ross, and I posted the video in the LockedOnDolphins.com article. And if you go in there and watch it, there's a portion of the video where he asks the locker room a rhetorical question. And I've seen this millions of times across every team in the NFL's locker room with post-game access or, or video access to the locker room speeches. And they'll ask these rhetorical questions. And the answer comes back as kind of like, a, eh, yeah, I guess. And there's not really much of an emphatic, resounding message from the team. But you watch this video and Brian Flores asked the team a rhetorical question and an emphatic Emphatic, 53-man roster. Everybody on the roster says back to him, yes, sir. And it just sounds so uniform and so great. And these guys have totally bought into what he's doing. We talked about it on Thursday's show, how he can relate to this team and his message resonates with those guys. I think we've seen that to its fullest. It's fun to see. I hope it continues. I know this team's one and seven and I'm getting very far ahead of myself in my promises and my hope, but I just think this guy's different. I think he's wired different. And I think this team is building this thing different than they ever have under Steven Ross, under Wayne Huizenga, going all the way back to Joe Robbie, most likely. And I'm excited for the future about this team for the first time in quite some time. And I have some audio here from the post-game locker room interviews with Vince Beagle and Evan Bame and Christian Wilkins, but that sounds not that good. And I don't think I want to put it on the podcast. I can just tell you guys what we talked about because it's all the same anyway, right? And so the first guy I talked to was Vince Beagle. And this guy is as electric on the football field, or rather in the locker room as a personality as he is on the football field. I got to look at him on the kickoff team before the game started, just going absolutely crazy like a psychopath, jumping up and down, hitting himself on the helmet repeatedly. And then he got poked in the eye mid-game and came back just a little bit later. You go in the locker room, the guy has a very, very bad black eye. His eye looks like total crap but he came back into the game, finished it out, played very well. And the first thing I asked him was about the House of Pain song called Jump Around as if you go back to his days at Wisconsin, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this story, but the Wisconsin Badger football team, after the third quarter, they play House of Pain's Jump Around and everybody in the stands goes nuts. Well, they played that song between time TV timeouts at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday and Vince was jumping around. I asked him about it after the game. He told me he saw his family up in the stands and they were jumping around and he felt like he was back at college. And these guys have this very fun atmosphere here and they enjoy themselves playing for this football team 
for this football coach. He talked more about some of the uh, Wisconsin Badger players right now who could come into the league, like Jonathan Taylor, like Tyler Byadash, and then he did proceeds to go on this diatribe about Wisconsin linebackers that are in the league, and he leaves off Andrew Van Ginkle, of all people, and Christian Wilkins is right behind me, and he chimes in and says, hey, don't forget the gangster. and so Vince Beagle replies and says, oh yeah, I can't forget about the gangster." So they were just having a good time. It was nice to be in a winning locker room. I'm sure the previous seven games were not as fun to be in, so maybe I picked the right one to come to. Maybe I'm the good luck charm. 3-0 in my last three games. The last three Dolphins wins have had me in the press box. We talked a little bit to Evan Bame, the center, and talked to him about his versatility and playing center or guard, playing last year with the Colts at either position. And he basically just told me that he can play anywhere. He's done that basically since the beginning of his college career back at Mizzou. Very likable guy, very nice. All these guys just have such a strong connection and strong bond in that locker room. And so every time you did an interview, somebody else would basically come up and start talking to him or try to get into the interview. Just a very jovial group. And maybe it was just because of the wind. I don't really know. I don't think so. But they just seem like a group that gets along very, very well together. And another guy who gets along well with the current players, past players, and anybody that wants to talk to him is Channing Crowder. And I saw him outside the stadium on Saturday as he was getting ready to MC the event. We had some... Uh, some personal credentials to get ourselves around the stadium and do some tour action down there at the actual field but saw Channing in the tunnel talked to him a little bit he was like pumped to see me like we shook hands and told some stories and whatnot and then today I saw him in the tunnel again after the game before he went into the locker room and did some of his stuff and he told me the story about Matt Light which I cannot relay to you guys in the podcast here but I'll go ahead and just tell you that Channing has very specific trash talk that he found a way to get inside that person's life and really drill home those points that really were personal to those guys. So Channing, just an awesome dude, so fun to be around. He was just a bag of laughs, a bag of giggles up in the press box during the game. You can tell that his energy is infectious and it really jives well with this coaching staff and this team. And he told me that. So many people told me today how great Brian Flores is and how much these players love playing for him. And that's why I put that tweet out there telling you how highly I think of this guy because it's not just me. I pretty much heard that from everybody associated with this football team on Sunday at Hard Rock. And that provides a good chance to transition into our final point of the segment here. The long-term plan for this team and this really kind of intricate plan the Dolphins have laid out for themselves, I think it's kind of lost on the general fan base as the downside to this season has been that the team, yeah, they're 1-7. and seven. They've been blown out. They have some historical numbers against them. And that's exactly who they are because you are who your record says you are, at least some people think that way. And the Dolphins are a 1-7 football team, a bad football team. But the upside comes via experience from the young players. And that, in addition to establishing a culture of this next man up mentality, is the foundation that I think this youthful squad really, really requires. Because I think you can compare the Cleveland Browns and how they went about this thing the wrong way because they got all these star players, dropped them into the locker room, and that was before they had developed a leadership or a level of leadership from the coaching staff and developed a culture and the way things are going to be. And now eight games into the season at two and six, Freddie Kitchens is probably on the hot seat and they could basically be one and done with him because his team is undisciplined. They don't play well together. There's infighting. There's bad press conferences. You're not going to see that stuff with this Dolphins team. They're in the process of developing the bottom end of the roster, a portion of the roster that can help you round out your special teams units next year and provide the Dolphins with capable players off the bench that know the system, know the scheme, know the expectation. If an, if a starter goes down with an injury, that player steps in and fills in and you you don't all of a sudden die just because Sam Young's out there giving up 14,000 sacks to Carlos Dunlap and Michael Johnson. 
Then from the top, Miami can use its $130 million in available cap space and multiple premium picks to import star power from the draft and from free agency and create this perfect meld of widespread experience with one singular mission. It's a linear approach that exemplifies the owner, Stephen Ross, his desire to build a sustained winner. And that, coupled with the fact that I think that hiring Brian Flores was unequivocally the right decision, leads me to think the other side of this rebuild is going to result in the best football, professional football, I should say, that South Florida has seen since Dan Marino was here. And we'll wrap this podcast up on the other side with some stories from South Florida, talking to you guys personally out there in South Florida. But first, long day at work, still stuck at the office? Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered right to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. So many funny stories occurred from the weekend that were not even football related. The first one I think we saw was at the stadium on Saturday at the Fantennial event when we were leaving the stadium, getting back to the parking lot, finding our car, our rental car, by the way. And we walk up to the car and we hear this massive crunch and it's the car right next to us. And this very large Hispanic fella had put the car in drive. He thought it was in park, but he went ahead and slammed the gas. I don't know why you would do that when it's in park, but he did. And he basically took the entire bumper off the car right next to us. And thankfully it was not mine because my car was a rental. That would have been an absolute shit show. So we didn't have to deal with that. So he knocks the, the bumper off the car, gets out of the car. He's probably like 45 years old and is asking, what do I do? What do I do? And we're like, put a note on the car, you ding dong. It's not that hard. And he was talking about how he was on his parents and insurance still. Just a really funny situation. Another funny story. I mean, my brother and I go to the team facility to pick up our credentials and parking passes. And as we're going in the building, out is walking Jerry Shaplinski, Dolphins quarterback coach. And I swear that dude was staring right through my soul, mad dogging me the entire way out. Maybe not a fan of my quarterback breakdowns. Maybe they're too accurate. Maybe, but most likely he has no idea who the hell I am. And that's just how he greets people. And we also stayed in the Dolphins hotel on the entire trip. And we saw Eric Studsville, the running backs coach in the lobby. And he might've been playing chaperone because he was down there for several hours with a couple of guys that I did not recognize alongside him. So he was there, saw Shaplinski, saw lots of the players. We saw Devon Godshaw, Raekwon McMillan, Bobby McCain who after the game was interviewed by several reporters, me being one of them, and somebody asked him, how do you feel about the tank for Tua thing maybe going away or the fact that some of the fans that do want to tank for Tua could be mad? And Bobby just said, I couldn't care any less about that. And the interview ended and we all walked away. So good for him. I think that's a terrible question to ask somebody. And for me personally, I don't want to turn suddenly and just say that I'm off the tank altogether. I still do believe the best way for this team to get back to the top would be to go after a Tua Tungavailoa and find a way to get him. But right now, that might be a challenge because the Dolphins currently, if the season ended right now, which we know it doesn't, would pick 4th, 17th, and 26th in the first round. Not a great return on those draft picks we thought were going to be much better than they were. And I put this thought on Twitter saying that I think that Miami ought to hope, unless it's the Dolphins, that the Falcons wind up with the first pick and that they want to stay with Matt Ryan, then Miami could give them a draft haul to go up and get their quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. Or if the Falcons want to pick Tua, ask them about Matt Ryan. Maybe we can have a reprieve on the 2008 NFL draft. Just a couple of thoughts out there, different avenues to explore for different quarterbacks, because right now, the way it looks, Miami might miss out on that first pick and by essence of that, miss out on Tua, which would be just 
Not good. I really don't want to see that happen, but if this team keeps playing well, I guess it would be a positive for the future, but still, I'm still on the Tua train. That would be the best thing for this team, but it was good to see them pick up a victory on Sunday, especially over Adam Gase. Okay, we're going to finish this podcast up with the four loco story because I promised it to you guys. Basically, here's what happened. My brother has a friend from high school who came out to bow campers with us because he moved to Miami like a year ago and hasn't had any male friends. He's here with his wife and their kid and has no one else to talk to. And so he came out and met, with, met up with us. We hung out all day. I think he had a couple of beers. And then we decided to leave bow campers, come back to the hotel, chill by the pool, drink some beers, and go back out in the evening. And we went to the gas station and picked up a 12-pack of beer. And we saw some Four loco in the fridge. And I... Four Loco has some fame in Washington for a bad reason. A kid at Central Washington University drank some Four Loco one night and died because the stuff is basically poison. And so I think they banned it in Washington, maybe even everywhere across the country. And so I hadn't seen Four Loco in years. So I see it in the fridge and think, oh, it says 14% alcohol. Let's go ahead and get that and see what that does. I took one sip and it tasted like it came out of a storm drain or something. It was horrible. The worst tasting thing I'd ever tasted, but my brother's friend agreed, but he kept drinking it. And so he drank his entire can. And then my brother and I come back up to the room to get ready to go out for dinner that night. And he gets up here. And by the time we leave the room again, he's hammered drunk, like can't even stand up straight, falling all over himself. And so we proceeded to go back down through the lobby in the hotel, and that's when we saw Godshaw, McCain, and Rayquan McMillan, and Sam McGuavin, and all these guys. And one of the guys that came in was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and there was a father and son combination that waited down in the lobby pretty much all night long. They were there for like five or six hours, it feels like. And Fitzpatrick came in, and sure enough, they recognized him immediately. And then my brother wanted to get a picture with Fitzpatrick as well. So I grabbed his phone. Ryan goes over to Fitz, takes a quick picture. It takes maybe three seconds to execute. And then the drunk friend who's into like motocross, doesn't watch football ever, goes up to him, can't walk straight, mind you. We went to the restaurant after this and he threw up three times in the bathroom. One of those times didn't make it to the bathroom, threw up all over the floor outside the bathroom. He goes up to Fitzpatrick and says, hey, hey. And it gets Fitz's attention. Fitz turns around and stops where he's going. He goes, you play football? And Fitzpatrick just shrugged him off, walked away, didn't say anything to him. It was embarrassing, but also equally hilarious. So the moral of the story is do not drink four loco because you'll go out to a sushi restaurant, throw up three times, fall asleep at the table twice, have the server ask you if you're okay and just call you a sleepy boy, <laughs> which I thought was the best part of the whole thing. And then he comes back and proceeds to sleep in our hotel room until one o'clock in the morning, sitting upright in a chair. And then he woke up and just left because he couldn't leave here because he drove 45 minutes to meet us from West Palm. So that's my four loco story. Do not drink that stuff. I'm going to come back and do a podcast from the hotel tomorrow. So the Tuesday show, I'm not thrilled about it. Don't have my right set up, but I have to get it done because I'm on a plane all day Monday. I'll be back with you guys for a real show on Wednesday. We'll do the all 22, all that fun stuff. And I also want to say this big shout out and thank you to so many people, Matt Taylor, Eric Todorov, Safed Dean, Aaron Barber, everyone that came out and said what's up and all the fans that recognize me. And it, it just feels fantastic when I get recognized for this podcast, something that started off so small and has grown so big. So please continue to say hi when you see me out in public. And lastly, I'll leave you with this teaser before I get out of here. If you live in South Florida, you're probably going to have to get used to the possibility of running into me on any given day very soon. And with that tease, 
I gotta get out of here. It's time to go to bed. It is midnight in the east. I am very tired and not looking forward to that long flight tomorrow, but that's neither here nor there. We'll go ahead and say goodbye now. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. The show is at LockdownFins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.